G'day punters, welcome to The Deep Dive. We're going to be focusing on Mooney Valley this morning. We've got Mark Roden to join us in the absence of Shane Curlio, and we'll run through a couple of questions regarding deductions, which uh, I think Mark is better equipped than the rest of us by a fair margin to talk about such things. Uh, but Dicko, we'll start off with the Valley. The performance of the day came up in race seven, which is a 20-40 metre race. There's been a lot of general noise and narrative about how fast the time is, but let's face it, that typically just relies back on what they were running on the day and what the track was doing. Yeah, there's some like good figures for relative horses. Like a relative that doesn't make any sense. Some of these horses have run good figures for like what they've historically done, which says the track the track was pretty fast and you know the Pancho figure is is enormous, but it, it's the two the six figure of that race is suicidal which sets it up as we've talked about many times for the winner and the second horse probably to run a pretty big number um that's what they did there some of the tempos on saturday uh just just staggeringly odd um like ballistic lovers race they've gone seven and a half below the all average so slow on the only thousand meter race on the card which would have been favorite probably to be the fastest to the 600 so um uh, a variety of early tempos. Um, uh, I think the track certainly favoured horses that settled forward and midfield regardless. Um, I think that Zuzarella was a pretty big debut, the filly. She's only half a length off the... Um, off He's Exceptional of the Colts, with th- the two sets of three-year-olds, um, and, and did that wide and swooping, which was really hard to do. On this track, it was like a slow tempo where they did slow at the right point of the race for this horse to be able to build into its work. Um, but still, I think Zuzarella, who just so scarily defied, like it doubled in price and then was the only horse to swoop and win all day. They dead set have no idea just about in the Metro stuff. Well, every second time they're just going to be completely wrong. Whereas, like, say, at Wangaratto on Saturday, if they're soft in betting, in a maiden, they're going to run poorly. Okay. Okay. Interesting point there. Um, Why would you think that is, Mark? If, if my hypothesis is correct, that the market knows a lot less in the city than in the bush, if. Why would that be? I don't know. I, I Look, we, I don't know if that's true. That's sort of an impression you've got. We, we haven't got like that on that or anything. Yeah, I'm saying if it was. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um I don't know. I think, uh, I, look, from a New South Wales perspective, you can see, like, and again, this isn't, it doesn't hold true in 100% of cases either, but you'll see bigger drifts in provincial and country races, I think, because the early markets are less accurate. And there's a couple of reasons for that. There's less exposed form in a lot of cases to work on, and they're probably done quicker. You know, the, the, the prices will spend more time on the races they're going to hold the most money on. So, you know, a 58 at Muzzlebrook might be done in, you know, double-click time. They might just get one, put one up too short, you know. And they, and often they're going to err on the side of being too short, in their opinion, and too long. So uh, Last so- night, when I, after I had about my ninth can of goat, um, which is about sort of my benchmark figure at, during lockdown six, which is scary, um, <laughs> I was thinking maybe it's because, like, there's just, it's pretty sharp, the market. Like, the people betting at, say, Wangaratta are either extremely sick or, yeah. like, doing it semi-professionally. 
Yeah. Whereas, like, if on a Saturday you're just having a flutter and a bit of yeah. fun, Far it's more. Mooney Valley, Rose Hill, Doombin, and Milfordville, and then Belmont yep. or wherever. Yep, yep. Far more filling those markets on a Saturday. Um, you know, three dollars to eight dollars at Wangaratta might. It probably should have been eight dollars to start with. In a lot of cases. My, my if that happened to, tomorrow at Wangaratta, I would expect the horse to not leave the gates. Okay, right. Yeah. Whereas at Mooney Valley, I'd I'd go. Shit, probably have to back this now. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. Um, yeah, I, I'd have to, I'd have to look into it more, more deeply. But that, that's certainly one reason I think. Um, probably a sharper group, group of punters playing in those markets. Yeah. Okay, let's jump back to I the races. I was wasting my time back there then. That's good. <laughs> do it again tonight then. <laughs> Very good. Taking one for the team. Uh, look, we'll just jump back to the races for a second because we spoke about this just before we started. At two of the top three biggest figures on the card, so to speak, were in staying races at Mooney Valley. And obviously they've gone fast for the class here, you know, uh, very fast tempos in both of these events, the ones won by Smoke and Romans and then also Pancho. How do you both handle these numbers going forward? Because obviously some of those staying tempos can be farcical in either direction. I would look at these two races with almost ignoring the, the number they've run. And more so looking at to each race, and so I'll do it right now live. So let's say the Smoke and Romans race, I'll just be looking just purely at the punting form, other the other types of data it offers, and going like, uh, well, Blantford Lad, these type of horses, um, Prince Albie, Prince Ziggy, just as soon that they, they were no chance of competing here. I'll try and then identify a horse that showed a little bit of like grit and determination in this race and then hope to find that horse run at say a Sandown Hillside or uh, these type of horses probably Sandown Hillside but yeah. maybe the um, Pancho race maybe I'll, anything worse at midfield that showed a little bit of determination hope to see it at Flemington in a rail position where I think they might be able to run on okay. so a horse essentially a horse that was not suited and then I'll hopefully we'll find a race for that horse that where it might be suited and I'd be ignoring the data number the, okay. the benchmark number. Mark, is that how you would approach it? Yeah, I mean, especially when you've, you know, the form's exposed and you, you, you know, you know how good these horses are by the stage of their career, more or less. They can't, they can't all have gone to a new peak, if you yep. know what I mean, because there's been a fast pace early. Um, middle distance and staying races with fast paces, yeah, the, because most of the vast majority of um, races over that trip are slowly run or moderately run. When you get the odd fast pace, it does sort of blow up the data. Okay. I think that's a... Yeah, so like a horse like Reflect the Stars in that race five, or whatever race it was. Yeah, race five. That that might be the greatest ride that you... That's as good as a ride as the horse can ever get. Mm-hmm. So I just want to oppose it next start. There's no, there's no way I'll back that horse next start. Because it was completely blessed here, and his favourite, like in every race, say there's ten horses, seven of them are not going to be suited, probably. Okay. Well, certainly not. Nine of them aren't going to be blessed. Where this thing yeah. was. Yeah. Well, let's talk yeah. about race six. Uh, that was one of the, I guess, feature races, the Mackenzie Stakes for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings. Uh, he's exceptional. Has one off an even tempo here. Overall figure, I guess you'd say for the for the class, it's actually hasn't broken the class benchmark. What, what are we doing with this race? Uh, Halal was obviously reasonably well spruced in the lead-up to the event. Uh, I tell you, I, 
Well, I'm feeling a bit down at the moment, and what I think would be best for me to do is somehow go and have a night or two with Wayne Hawks. Because <laughs> the, the, the positivity he has for himself and his horses is just astounding. He declared this thing as a, like, a proper, proper horse. It's It's gone shithouse. Daily Bugles gapped it. If I was, if I didn't know that the, the anything other than this race, I'm, I'm with Daily Bugle every other week to beat Halal next start. Yeah, and the only other thing you've got information-wise is the starting price. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, look, and what are we doing with Jigsaw? Uh, as a matter of fact, as well. I mean, nah. that's two failures this this prep. Oh, it's just like that's its level. It's like mm. a five. It's going to run between a four and a half and an eight and a half punting form figure, which is not a group like two horse, probably not a group three horse. Yep. And the other feature in the card was the car line over the thousand and ballistic leather. Very slow Thank tempo, God. as you said. Thank you know, fucking God for this. 12 lengths slow to the 600. Uh, Mark, this horse was obviously dual nominated as well, wasn't it? So, and mm. uh, there it was. D-Lane D- seems to handle these three wide sprint trips probably better than any other jockey, I think, going around at the moment. He's just not panicking, keeps the horse comfortable and knows what he has underneath him. I feel like he's... When when D-Lane's on, he rides to the actual tempo better than most riders. Yeah. So does Jay Carr. He doesn't care so much for position, it's more um, the speed. Uh, but we were blessed that uh, Jay Carr and Miss Albania were like settled last and not 1A. Yeah, that helped. And obviously, ancestry's gone. Is it... Shout out to Jacko. Like, <laughs> I didn't even watch the trials because he was so confident that this horse would go shit ass off the trials. And the last thing you need when you're you're in your two man operation is an argument over trials. So you've got to just say, <laughs> "Right, young man, I'm going with you here." And he nailed it. So He's um, completely nailed it. Yeah, and, and like and and. It's not going to get a better setup, is it? Ancestry, mm. like Moody Valley, on post suited night or day, which it was. You know, fuck. I don't know what they'll do with this horse. Yep. It'll probably be an Adelaide with like Kayla Crowther on top of it. Four dollars. What do we do? Probably bet. I was going to say it's, it's in Adelaide. <laughs> just mute it just where leave he it. runs though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's absolutely bolting. Get in the. Hang on a second. He's <laughs> no TV. Um, Look, the, the rest of the races are all benchmark races with the exception of race nine, which was an open handicap, and they've run a big figure here, viral. Um, was this just Willow doing Willow things, or was there a horse that should have won? Uh, viral's almost matched, just slightly improved the figure around the previous start, so, you know, good on it. And Danny O'Brien horse has run a big figure two times in a row. Is Danny back? We saw Gunda Windy win... Race four at sale yesterday. Didn't win like a dollar sixty shot, but it won. Danny's yep. Danny has got to start to improve. He can't go any worse. And maybe it's about to happen now. Um, and just to grass up even more, we're on Skyman here. Pretty good size bet at a good price. I thought um, stiff. De Graves De has like literally matched its previous figure. So. That that's a fascinating setup and a fascinating discussion where I'd lean on and, and be very interested in what people like Mark 
say the the older, more ratings orientated men and women of industry. Like, do you, it's favourite to run that level. It's favourite that that's its level, isn't it? We've seen it twice. It's run like an identical figure. Yep. Consistent. Okay. Um, summarising the Valley Dickens, do you have one or two that you're really keen to follow next start? Um, yeah, I do, Peter. I can, I can see it here. It's Coolth. <laughs> yeah, Coolth. Yeah, Coolth. If anyone's watching the stream, I, um, embarrassingly, I pounded Coolth in run. I couldn't believe the price I was getting because it was in the coffin. I was like, oh, he's kicked up and shown some intent. You were on delay, weren't nah. you? No, nah, no. Nah. That was the chop king, Ethan Brown, who put the other horse in the same silks in the coffin. Um. <laughs> that horse that horse went on to win. Coolth flashed home for second. <laughs> but I, I think Coolth's run was full of merit. It was only second or third up. Uh, you know, a horse with a bit of scope. Okay. His preparation. And I, I reckon Daily Bugle, there was a bit of, like, spruik for it, a little bit of chat, a nice trial, big performance first up. It was as good or better than Halau, and, and Halau's going to go around favourite whenever it runs in next start, most likely. So uh, I think there'll be some value to be had with Daily Bugle. Okay, you wanted to talk about deductions, in particular Sale Race 8. Uh, you've backed Rigel Star at what price? $6.50, $6. 9 10 11 And there's been 11 scratchings, three of them emergencies. Chaos. What happened? Reports came in early, Peter, that we were on at like a dollar and fifteen, dollar and ten cents at some of the some of the plastics, which concerned me. So I promptly got on the phone to um, said operators. I don't know if we want to name them or not. Do we? Oh, Probably look, not. It's, a, it's all rotational, <laughs> isn't it? At the end of the day. Yeah, so we won't name them. Um, yeah. They told me I was on at three dollars and five cents, which I thought was great because the horse was a dollar ninety five at that point of the day. Um, then more reports started streaming because, as we know, of course, there's literally about 45 bookmakers you can bet with at the moment, and um, it seems that the mailbag army bets with just about all of them. So, um, <laughs> post the race, though, we, we were informed, and, and it happened, that Tab Touch paid out at a figure of maybe a dollar forty, <laughs> like unbelievably. So I, I tagged them in a tweet suggesting that we were going to discuss it on the show and um, not too long after they were then paid out at $2.70 I believe so Tab Touch decided to, to adjust the price and do the right thing um, there's so many questions here Mark it's a complete and utter like shit fight isn't it this is a weird example having so many scratchings in one race um I'm not, I, I can't, I mean, I've gone onto Tab Touch's site this morning and I've got scratchings and deductions and the deductions aren't listed. So that sort of, uh, they've just either not put them up in the first place or erased history there. Um, and looking at, uh, just having a look, glancing at others, Tab and Sportsbet seem pretty similar. Um, yeah, I mean, dedu deductions are no fun. No one likes them, but it's just part of the landscape if you're going to bet pre-day. It's, you know, mm. they've, they've been... And, you know, scratchings at the barrier, it's been part of racing since day dot. It's annoying, but it's you've got to have some system that's fair-ish for both punter and bookmaker. And I, do, I personally don't think they do too bad a job, ex with the exception of the inconsistency between operators. When you're getting 
vast differences. That's when you've got an issue. Yeah, and it's an extreme example, isn't it? But but yeah, when when one joins paying out two seventy, and I've just looked it up now, they originally paid him out at a dollar and thirty two cents. Right. You know, like now, well, I, I need to. I'm looking up these deductions. I wonder. I wonder how that's happened. What, what the? I'd You'd just, have to think it's just an error, not not a deliberate like. Yeah. They weren't trying to rot him. They just made a mistake, and then they once they were aware of the mistake, they fixed it by look. I've just yeah. had a look at the website now, and there's deductions listed total of fifty-four cents of them. And I guess there's been what two that have come through at five o'clock in the morning or so. Uh, this is obviously WA time. There's been one at eleven thirty the day before, one at five o'clock in the morning the day before as well. So I'm not sure if they inadvertently multiplied it by accident or something like that. Right. Yeah. That, that's quite possible. Yeah, um, they, they ended a, up paying out at two dollars and seventy-six cents. Yeah. yeah, and it's not a the way they calculate it isn't perfect because if you think about it, it's it's building in the, the bookmaker's margin into the deduction as well. Which if you've got one scratching is okay. You know, you might take for twenty-one dollar, let's say an eleven dollar chance, you might take seven cents or something, which is you know around the mark. It's when you get a situation like this and you're taking out a massive chunk of the original market percentage that it can become too big because you're adding in a bit of margin for each additional scratching. Yep. Um, and then it just gets too, it becomes skewed too far in the bookies' favour. Um, yeah, well, I, I think it's just highlights though that, and I'm sure it'll happen, that there needs to be a universal system for calculating deductions so that it, even if the corporate doesn't do it for you, you can do it yourself. Because as Victoria has led and Queensland's followed and surely the rest of the states won't be far behind. Don't hold your breath. As a sport, we're encouraging people to bet earlier. And yeah, true. I think, though, that uh, the, the fair way of calculating deductions, I think Dominic Burns done it for New South Wales. There is a bit of flexibility and variation in it depending on like this, you know, how many scratchings there are, how much percentage they're taking up. So you can't just have a ready reckoner calculator and say, in all cases, that, that's probably what they've done in this case and ended up with deduction, deductions that are too big. So they've had to trim them. So you can't just say, you can't just say, look, these are going to be the deductions in all cases uh, and calculate it yourself because um, you'll get outliers like this. Yeah. So there's, you reckon there's no way there'll be like a, just a, this is the deduction for oh, this all yeah, I think look, there's no reason that, that um, like industry-wide standard deductions can't be enforced. Yeah, that, that's what I think will happen. Yeah. Um, it has to happen. Uh, and that, that would just at least just clear up this confusion and people whinging about, you know, Sportsbet took this and Labrokes took that and, you know... I mean, I, I don't see from a bookmaker, bookmaker's point of view why you don't go the lowest way possible and get your punters happy. It's just um, taking higher deductions than anyone else. You might think you're clawing back some profit or loss, you know, in the individual race, but it's, it's a PR loss in every case. You know, it's the first thing people are going to whinge about. Mm. So why, why you wouldn't go the low way in, in every possible uh, situation is beyond me, but it's just my opinion. Well, the, the sceptic in me, and I don't know if Rob was on the show, he'd be saying this, that maybe <laughs> there's a conspiracy theory here for you. They were trying to imply to the punter that, hey, hey, mate, hey, buddy, you listening? You're on it like a dollar forty. We've currently got it a dollar eighty. Why don't you have another go? Because it's value. <laughs> when in really, we've got a dollar eighty, mate. But you're actually on it two dollars and seventy cents. So sit tight and enjoy the ride, which was a ride. Jesus Christ, that thing come off our back. And <laughs> if it got up yesterday, I wouldn't be here this morning on the show. 
guess it's a good problem to have then that we're talking about in the first place. Yeah, yeah it is a good problem to have. Yeah. All right, very good. Uh, look, we do have a couple of Q&A questions. We'll address those on the preview show later in the week. You're just mindful we're trying to keep the shows down to a more bite-sized, friendly time so we can all get on with our lives a little bit faster. But uh, Dickens... There's so, much to go. There's so much to do, too. Like, we need to get out of here and get on with our lives, isn't there? There's so much to do. Well, indeed, Mark Rode and myself need to film the Randwick Review... But besides that, uh, just before we do that, uh, Dickens, your week ahead looks like this. You've got synthetic meetings Monday, Tuesday. Have a good couple of days off. Well earned. Uh, Sandown Wednesday. Yachuca Thursday. Pakenham Friday. Caulfield for the Group 1 Memsey. And then Moe on Sunday. That's a bit extreme, but, you know, at least you've got the Group 1 race back. Yeah, no... Going to work our asses off today to get prices done for Sandown today, and yep. we're going to bet. I'm going to bet a lot. To, to, like, as soon as they go up, we're going to knock them off today. Sandown's the focus, and then on Wednesday, we're just going to be pounding, pounding the Caulfield meeting, getting our prices right, and just knocking them off. And then copying the deductions when they occur. Yeah. And then I'm going to ring Mark and say, hey, mate, there's been three scratchings in this race. What price am I on that, please? Because I can't figure it out. All right. Very good. Uh, good work, all. We'll catch up later in the week, Dico, and we'll preview that Group 1, a Memsey Stakes meeting from Caulfield. Until then, go well. Enjoy Rule Sundown. Get the Platinum Pack and bet with us every single day.